The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. You are about to embark on a journey. It is hardly awesome. do you know about this Kenyan Doomsday Death Cult? Kenyan Doomsday Death Cult? Yeah. I can confirm that I know zero. <laughs> Never even heard of it. Before. I just heard of it today only because the death toll has climbed to 201 bodies recovered now. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Give me a second. I mean, I kind of have an idea because doomsday cult, death cult, like that kind of says basically everything you need to know, but it's like a Jonestown situation. So that's what I was wondering. I was like, is this that situation, right? So this is from Reuters. Reuters? Reuters? I call it Reuters, but I'm probably saying it wrong. Reuters? Yeah. Reuters? Reuters? That thing. Last updated one day ago. So when did this all start? Searchers for survivors and victims of a doomsday cult in Kenya's Shakahola Forest discovered 22 more bodies on Saturday, according to a regional government official. The discoveries bring the death toll of one of the country's worst tragedies to 201. Quote, our forensic team was able to exhume 22 bodies today, but we have not reported any rescue. Mm. Rhoda Onyancha, a regional commissioner, told journalists in the Shakahola Forest in the country's southwest where the search is continuing. That's a weird way to write that, in the country's southwest, not region or area. southwest of the country. She said one more suspect had been arrested, bringing the total number of those detained over the deaths to 26. Throughout this week, authorities have been digging up shallow graves scattered through the forest looking for remains and scouring the area for any survivors as hundreds of people are still reported missing. On Friday, 29 bodies were unearthed, including those of 12 children, which were found in one grave. On Wednesday, a Kenyan court denied bail to Paul McKenzie, leader of the Good News International Church, who has been accused of ordering his followers to starve their children and themselves to death so that they could go to heaven before the end of the world. Crazy, yes, but not really, because look at how desperate a lot of people in the world are. And when somebody starts coming around and showing off and sounding like they know what they're talking about, people are going to follow that dude. We see it right here in this country. Yeah, that's true. Um, Let me look this up. I want to see who this Paul McKenzie guy is. So here's my question: like, obviously this is terrible and this is wrong and this should not happen. But how do you so like say that happened in America, right? Yeah. How does freedom of religion play into that? This is Pastor McKenzie. Paul McKenzie. Okay. Looks like a regular dude. The leader of a Christian cult in Kenya is to remain in police custody for another month. Hmm. And this was written 
three days ago when the body count was only at 130. Oh, my God. Yeah. Says the uh, Pastor Paul McKen- uh, Paul Nthenge McKenzie has said he closed down his Good News uh, International Church four years ago after nearly two decades of operation. But the BBC has uncovered hundreds of his sermons still available online, some of which appear to have been recorded after this date. What picture do they paint of a man whose followers have starved themselves to death? In a passionate, raspy voice, he delivers his sermons to large congregations enthralled to his apocalyptic themes. We are about to win the battle. Let no one turn back. The journey is about to be accomplished, reads the banner across the screen. One series of videos on his church's YouTube channel has the caption, End Time Kids, and shows groups of young children delivering messages to the camera. What the fuck? Others culminate in exorcisms in which followers, often women, writhe around on the ground while he torments the demonic forces within them. These YouTube channels have thousands of subscribers and a Facebook page set up by his church uh, links to many of the videos. That's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, but we see this happen every so often. Former members of the church have claimed they were forced to fast as part of their adherence to its teachings. There's no direct evidence in dozens of videos we've seen of the pastor directly ordering his people to fast, but there are many references to followers sacrificing what they hold dear. That's craziness. That is crazy, dude. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you see this a lot. All in the name of of God and the end times. Waco was kind of like that. To an extent. Speaking of Waco, dude, I just told you I saw Red State again. Oh, yeah? Made me realize how much he was really make, having a commentary on Waco. Oh, I bet. You've never seen Red State? No. <laughs> Be interesting to get your take. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, that's crazy, right? Like, I hadn't heard about this in the news till this morning because Aaron was just like, hey, have you heard about this Kenyan death cult? I was like, what? That's crazy, man. Yeah, dude. I, I'm surprised I haven't heard anything about it. You know what I'm surprised about? Huh. The fact that Anthony hasn't even chimed in. I know. What the hell, man? <laughs> Is this mic on? Uh, oh, didn't we unplug it? Wait. Where's Anthony? Anthony's not here. Anthony is invisible. You know what that means? It's yep. hardly history. Yep. Hardly history. You know what the thing is? Is like we can't even joke around because people already know <laughs> when they download it. It says what it is in the title. That's if they're paying attention, because sometimes sometimes you'll be listening to another podcast. It'll end and it'll just go into so, uh, another podcast. One. So that's true. Yes. So that's if you true. haven't read, but what the we're difference doing, too is the opening music. We have different opening music oh, than, than hardly that's awesome. True. That's true. Um, unless, unless unless we're doing a gimmick for that one episode. You know, that's true. You never know. That's true. Hey. We do whatever we want. Yeah, exactly. Anthony, say hello. Just kidding. See, he's still not here. <laughs> <laughs> this is hardly history. We're back without Anthony. Yes, because it's Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day, and for some As reason, he wants to hang out with his mom. Or his stepmom first, What's then his mom, that? then his mother-in-law. Yeah, okay. I guess, dude. It's Mother's Day. That's what you do. Nah. No? Shouldn't every day be Mother's Day? No. <laughs> just one day a year you don't want to appreciate your mother every day of, no, of the year i do appreciate my mother well but then not why, enough why to take her extra? out to dinner why why aren't you taking um, your mom out i don't to do dinner it for more father's often. day i don't do it for my sister's birthday who cares why don't you take your mom out to dinner just out of nowhere just to do it um, that's more special than waiting for yeah, mother's I know. day i should i should i should, should do that more you better be a better son I absolutely dude. should um anyway this is hardly history dude yes 
we're doing things a little different. Mm-hmm. I had to go back and listen to another episode to be like, let me see how we did this the last time. I couldn't remember if it was just strictly history, if we talked about other things. We had Aaron on for the Bills. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. in January the last time we did a real hardly history. Um, but like I, like I was starting to say earlier, it was more of we weren't diving into a specific topic. We were just basically bringing what this type of episode is going to be. Yeah, what we were interested in, the yes. things we liked, things mm-hmm. like that. This week is going to be fun, dude. We have a fun topic that we're well, going to get into. Speak for yourself, but well, okay. I know. <laughs> I it's mean, a, that's that's a morbid thing to say. Fun, <laughs> it is. It really is, and it's fucked up. But like for me, it's I, I say fun because like I don't you know. Enjoy I enjoy this. About th- these yes, things. yes, yes. I don't enjoy that this actually happens, happens. to people. But I, I'm very fascinated by these stories. I'm fascinated yes. by. By things like I mean we've talked about this on that last time we talked about it right like mm-hmm. the dark side of things fascinates me sometimes yeah okay keep it down <laughs> we uh, that's our fans outside <laughs> yeah I know right we told them that they cannot park outside and just honk at us while we're recording that's fucked up bro <laughs> Jimmy uh, go home <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah so uh it's it's something that always fascinates me. So when I say fun, it's more because I like getting in the mood for like kind of weird things, things yes. that are unexplained. I mean, I kind of wish it was dark. nice, dark, gray, rainy day right now. Oh, that'd be perfect. It's gorgeous today. It's, it's like a beautiful, sunny. Day. But that's that adds that yeah. kind of contrast of of like the stuff we're going to talk about is kind of dark, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And when we talked about the Black Dahlia on one of our past episodes, we let people know that look. This, there might be things that trigger you, and just today, yep. the same stuff, right? Like, yep. our main topic later on in the show is going to have some some Very stuff that deal yeah, with death, material. suicide, things like that. So, if those things are triggering, we don't want people to stick around for that. So, I yes. like to let people know out ahead of time before we get into it, and then remind them before we get into it because you can listen to a lot of the rest of the show up until that point. <laughs> yeah, I did get an email on the Harley Awesome email okay. saying that they appreciated that when we put out censorship saying, you know, warn us, warn the listener yeah. that that's happening. So they reached out, they said they really appreciated that and they said, uh, why don't we do that to let them know that Anthony's on the episode so they can stop listening. That is a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That is that but that's been a amazing, great though. idea. Dude. <laughs> anyway, I hope Anthony listens to this and he's like, "What the fuck?" I'm going to say he probably won't, but anyway, dude, so last time we did this, we did have Aaron on to talk bills. We're not doing mm-hmm. that this time. We did get the schedule out for the bills. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in the future. On, as far as I'm aware. So, instead of doing that, let's just kind of uh just get into what's going on on in our week real quick and then go well, from there. So, what's there going on go. in your week? We got to hang out with some of the Buffalo Bills at the Bandits game the other night. There you go. Not really, but they were there in attendance. Yeah. We went to the Bandits game, which was yes, fun. Lacrosse. Game. We won that night, and then we won last night, too, so we're going on to the finals. Did you watch it? No, I completely forgot it was oh. on. Do you have ESPN Plus? I do, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, nice. So I probably could have watched it, but I yeah. forgot it was even on, dude. We got. We were watching it last night. It was nice. awesome. It was awesome to watch it. Another high-scoring game. Big difference in the score. <laughs> Bro, the run they went on, they went on a three-and-a-half-minute run of scoring, like, seven seven goals. Jesus. I heard somebody was saying – I read an article – I don't think I read the whole article. But part of an article where somebody was saying that our goalie – can't remember his name, which one, but he's one of the best who's ever played the game. 
Really? Yeah, that's what they were saying about that's him. That's awesome. He's he's fantastic. It's a pretty good team, man. I'm watching this team as they're playing, and I'm like, golly. And I and also like it makes me appreciate the sport of lacrosse more as I'm mm-hmm. watching more of it mm-hmm. because like I'm watching how these guys move, how they pass, and I'm starting to notice like strategies and notice how things like plays play out and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's I'm getting a better appreciation for the sport itself. So yeah, I think I, I was telling Aaron, I think we're n- we may not only just go to a bunch of games next season, we may get season tickets. Word. Yeah. That'd be cool. One thing I was 200 surprised. level too because that, oh, that, that one was, that Listen, good 100's nice cuz you're down, you're lower, you're a little bit closer to what's happening if you're yeah. there. But on the 200, you can see everything that's happening and you yep. got space. You yeah. got elbow room. Yeah. Because that 100 level, you're cramped. You're like this. And the 300, same. But 200, you got elbow room. Hell yeah, It's dude. nice, dude. But like I was saying to you when we were there, I was surprised. Again, yeah, this shows how many lacrosse games I mean, and how much I pay attention. That the defense don't play with long poles. They play with the regular poles. I don't, I, I, that, I don't so, know what that means. So defense, defensive players usually have long poles or like twice the length of the poles they were playing with Okay. for defense because they really get in there and they give it distance to be able to hit people and get the ball away from people. But they Really? Play with, yeah, they wait, play with short poles. Where is that from? Are you thinking of Quidditch, dude? This ain't no, Quidditch. No, 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 no. Like high school teams have long poles on their defense. Last Are you I sure? Knew, positive, dude, because I used to play. Are you thinking of a different game? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of curling. <laughs> No, but I was surprised. I, I didn't know that. And again, maybe that you just played a, to show... a variation of lacrosse. Maybe you played like the so. special kids lacrosse. They didn't want you guys like Get running up each on other. each other, but that like they didn't realize giving you these longer poles. <laughs> um, maybe it's possible. I don't know, bro. I don't know. I don't know anything about lacrosse until I started watching the Bandits a few years yeah. ago. So. But we've only went to a few games here and there. Mm-hmm. This year was where we went to more games and we're watching it more on TV. So it's Good. yeah, it's pretty cool. But what's what else is going on with you, dude? Nothing. I went hiking no. yesterday. Saw two snakes. I almost stepped on them, dude. They weren't moving. What kind? <laughs> just garter snakes, garden snakes. <laughs> that just sounded funny as hell. Like it's super rare to see a snake ever. <laughs> it's like Pokemon. Whoa, bro! I, you were not going to believe what I came across yesterday, bro. <laughs> Um, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Other than that, nothing really. I did my wilderness first aid last week. Oh yeah. What happened? That was fun. That was good. Yeah. So I got you were set doing up, acting too. Yeah. So I got set up with a scenario with my dad cause my dad was doing it with me too. And we were a father and son who were fighting about leave no trace. That's my favorite thing is that they give you a scenario <laughs> where you have this. And it was, dude, it was fun, dude. Like and people watch you act it out. Yes. And they got to come up and cause it was this other girl showed up as an actor, and she was put in our group with my dad and I. So she was my girlfriend. It was the three of us were out on a hike. My dad threw is the coffee cup. Is this for cup. real, dude? Is this filmed? Do we I get to watch they, this on I think YouTube? They, I think they did film it. So when I get to see if I get the it's video. It's on YouTube. I'll, I'll They're show They're putting you. it on YouTube, aren't Probably. they? Dude, what's the name of this, this company? Earth Spirit. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to tell you now. Uh, this was through Earth Spirit. Okay. So anyway, the scenario was that we were all out there and my dad throws his coffee cup on the ground, is going to litter, and then you know we start arguing and he hits me. And I go down to the ground and hit my head, and then she starts arguing with him and he hits her. <laughs> so you got them two there. Wait, what? He hits her? Yes, in the nose. Um, <laughs> what? And then, so the group that's coming over, not only do they got to deal with me and my injuries, because I get punched in the face and then hit my head on the way down, 
not only they got to deal with this girl's injury getting punched in the nose, but you have my dad and her still arguing and getting angry and going after each other and causing a scene. So you gotta you gotta try and calm them down. Somebody's got to treat me. I um, better be able to see this, dude. This is amazing. <laughs> it was uh, it was a good time, man. And then and then we did another scenario where uh, they put all the actors in one group and just all hell breaks loose, right? This dude over here get bitten by snakes and there's like snakes around and this guy got his hands burned. Uh, I was laying away from everybody and uh, had a spinal injury and a broken arm, so they had to they splinted my arm. <laughs> And then they they built a litter and and painfully moved me onto a litter and carried me back. This is why you were against me bringing up they should use dummies that have articulation and stuff because it would take away jobs like you being the actor. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, don't be taking our jobs, bro. You got yeah, gotta, no, it's always fun doing that. I got to find out if they have a, a. I was trying to look for a YouTube channel, but if you look up Earth Spirit immediately, it's all native. Oh, probably, you know, like spiritual things like yeah, that. Yeah, it might maybe it won't be on their their social media. I'm going to have to look for I'll look for their website and then there'll be a link to their if their YouTube yeah. if they have one. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was cool. What was the weather like? It was nice then, right? Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, not much happened with me, bro. Just good. You know, hanging out, watching stuff for for my other podcast and working and it's about it. Watching other going to the, going to the bandits podcast. game was cool. Oh so. yeah, that was like a last minute thing too. Yeah, so. it was it was very last minute. So but much uh, anyway, much needed, man. Hell it yeah, was dude! A lot of fun. Hell I yeah, just dude! Just going to sport like it's when I go to Bills games. I'm just yelling the whole time too. I love it. It's just a lot of fun. Hell yeah! All right, bro. Let's move it on then. Let's get into instead of doing what's going on in the world or what's going on in the news. Yeah, we want to see what happened in history. So we're gonna check out this week in history, May fourteenth to the twentieth. Here's a few things that happened, dude. Okay, May fourteenth, sixteen oh seven. Now, that's some old-ass shit. Is old. English settlers established the Jamestown Colony in Virginia, ma- marking the first permanent English settlement in North America. In 1607, I was just starting kindergarten, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you remember, like, what, do you remember learning stuff about, like, the colonies and the settlements and Jamestown and all that yes. stuff in school? Yes, but it's I don't vague, right? remember much of it because we didn't learn enough familiar. of it. Because it was a lot of stuff that they, I feel like they taught us at the end of the year and they rushed it in to get it in at the end of the year. Really? I thought this I would be like... at the beginning of the year because it's like the earlier, because what do you start with? I guess it's, you're you're pretty far removed now from school um, to remember that. Like, what do you start with in history when they start teaching you history? It like it was always, we started way to fuck back, dude, at Mesopotamia Over and, and over, shit. right? Yes. And it's like, why are you teaching me the same goddamn year? Okay, maybe teaching me a little more each time, but not much. Not enough to keep doing this year after year. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't remember correctly. Yeah, but I don't just really feels remember like... learning much about Jamestown. And I remember learning about other stuff that was going on in the world at this time. Yeah. But n- not much about Jamestown. Hmm, it's just familiar then. It's yeah. kind of like that ghost of a memory. Yeah. And I know about it. It's like, yeah. obviously, that's where they settled. But Yeah, yeah. May 15th, 1940. The Netherlands surrenders to Germany during World War II after a fierce military battle. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. World War II, um, I, uh, you know, I've always been interested in that. But this is, this is a, a point before it actually goes crazy. This is Germany just fucking pushing their way through stuff. Oh, yeah. This is Germany just yep. 
stomping on everybody yeah. as they make their way through Europe. This is when people over here are going like, that's across the, the ocean. Yeah. That's, that's not really going to bother us. Oh, you got us. here. We're going to give you weapons and money and shit to help fight, but yeah, that's yeah. not going to bother that's us. That's not going to bother us. Until we found out that- What does that feel like? Until we, I know, right? <laughs> until we found out that Hitler's plan was to actually do all of Europe and then come here. And it's like, oh. I just noticed your hat. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wore it specifically for today. May 15th, 1911, the Supreme Court of the United States declares Standard Oil to be in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act, leading it to its breakup into multiple companies. Do you know anything about this at all? No, I remember learning about the Sherman Antitrust Act in school, though. Yeah. I do remember that. I don't know that. I don't remember it. I don't uh, know. Was this was, was What was the deal? Was it I one were, company it, that ran all the oil? If I remember correctly, I think it had to do, this was like the beginning of trying to stop monopolies. Hmm. If I remember correctly, I'll have to look into this more. I could be wrong, but for my memory, again, this is hardly awesome. So don't don't take what we say to fact. May sixteenth, nineteen twenty nine. This is something I thought you might hey. be interested in. The first Academy Award ceremony is held in Hollywood, California, honoring outstanding achievements in the film industry. That is actually pretty cool because we're coming up on the hundredth anniversary. Yeah. If people even still watch the Academy Awards, it's I crazy. do every year. I know. That's why I thought you um, thought it'd be cool. The first Academy Award ceremony, also known as the Oscars, took place on May 16th, 1929 at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel in Los Angeles, California. Ah, interesting. Okay. The awards were created by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to recognize and honor outstanding achievements in the film industry. The inaugural ceremony was a private dinner attended by approximately 270 people, including filmmakers, actors, and industry professionals. It was a relatively low-key event compared to the grand spectacle that the Oscars have become today. The ceremony lasted just 15 minutes. What the fuck? And the winners had been announced in advance with no suspense or surprise. Hmm. The awards were presented in 12 categories covering various aspects of filmmaking, including Best Picture, Best Director... Best Actor, Best Actress, and more. The winners were selected by a panel of judges who were the members of the Academy. The first Best Picture Award went to the silent film Wings, directed by William A. Wellman. What do you think What, what do you think he thinks of that today, knowing he was the, the first one to win an Oscar? Think he's still around? Probably nothing, because I don't think he's around. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's a little bit more about the Academy Awards. Thought you might find that interesting. I love the Academy Awards. It's, as as grotesque as it is and as unnecessary as it is, I still because I'm a huge movie guy, so I, I love watching it. It's just about recognition, and you want to be recognized among your peers. Well, but the thing yes, is, is it's also a popularity, popularity contest. contest. Jinx, exactly. double jinx, triple jinx, <laughs> jinx infinity. Um, now it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not what it used to be for sure. No, it's like when I moved there and I went to Hollywood, and I was like, this is. Not the streets paved in gold like I was promised. No. (laughs) When you win an Academy Award. Okay. Which one? What is it for? Which which category are you winning it for? Best picture? Best Best, actor? Best best original screenplay. Best original screenplay. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. But you're not writing right now. You better not be. Why? Writer's strike, bro. Solidarity. Um, Solidarity. Do not write. I can write. I just can't sell my stuff. Oh, true. I can keep write. writing, get that shit going, bro. Because <laughs> the industry's not doing anything right now; it's sitting still. So now's the time to start compiling all your writing, dude. Or is now the time that for for the people who have ideas that are not part of the? To you know what I mean? Like, See, are, are you a thing. slimy asshole that's like, 
look, I'm not part of that union, so <laughs> no, hey, I no. got a lot of good stories. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. This happened before, even yeah. prior to 2007. I yeah. think this started in the 90s, right? And that's what started all that studios buying up all kinds of scripts, right? So if you think about it, the studios really don't need the writers for a very long time. They have a whole bunch of scripts sitting on the shelves that they can just pull shit from and make. They really don't need the writers. And unfortunately, that sucks to say that, but that's the reality of the fight they're fighting. Not just that, but they're fighting like what Scarlett Johansson was fighting with Disney about the streaming royalties. Because before you were getting royalties from replays, you know, when things are being sold, blah, 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 blah. You're constantly getting a check. But with streaming, it's uncharted territory right which i get where they're coming from and i totally respect and support that because let me tell you something these companies are posting record numbers and revenue from streaming services because of original programming Mm -hmm. and all and think about the original programming that everybody talks about are phenomenal shows right now so which requires writers to be phenomenal right like the actors say the only reason we can even do this is because there's a story to do euphoria Yellowstone, you know, all of these shows where you hear these, yes, all of these shows, which are just monster shows. Yeah. And yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's crazy that, but, but it's never, it's always going to be the case, man. You know, only murders in the building. Damn the man. Damn the man. Because the man is always going to be trying to take that money. I know. So yeah. Anyway, Academy Awards. That was the first one this week. Back on track. May 16th, China's, uh, 1966, China's cultural revolution begins with the mm. issuance of a central committee directive leading to a decade of political and social upheaval mm-hmm. so for another decade they'd have some craziness going there don't know much about china's history we don't learn that in school they don't tell us much yeah because they're communists and they don't want you to know the only things about communism the only things that they want us to know are like certain things that that are pinpoints in, in history all right? that yeah what? what? Mao, Ma- uh, Mao Zedong? Yeah, that's his name. Mao Zedong? Yeah, that's how I, I was told to say it. I don't think that's it, Probably not. Probably not. What is it? What, what is it? What, what do you mean? How do you it? spell his name? M-A-O. Yeah, Mao. Um, was uh, it T T S E or T-Z-E? Something, something like that. Mao say dong Dong, yeah. Is it Dong? Mao, Mao Zedong, yeah. Mao, M-A-O, and then the other name is Zedong, Z-E-D-O-N-G. Oh, I just didn't. I don't remember that. Former name. president of the People's Republic of China. From when? Uh, president of People's Republic of China. Not going to be 1959. Oh, I don't remember this. See, I don't remember being taught any of this. Yeah, dude, he's a massive figure in Chinese political history. Oh, I'm sure. I just don't remember being taught this. Chairman of the Communist Party of China, 1943 to 1976. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember this. Crazy, yeah. huh? It's crazy. Here's some more for you. Some old school shit. Old okay. May 17th, 1902. Greek archaeologist Arthur Evans discovers the ancient Minoan palace of Knossos on the island of Crete. Interesting. Are you into Greek archaeology? Never got into Greek archaeology, dude. No, mostly yeah. Egyptian. I, as a kid, I always was. Yeah, that was all, the, all, the only all, classical. It feels like I ever all American into. kids were into. Egyptian culture and Egyptian stuff when we were kids. Yeah, I don't know, man. Was it the pyramids? Is it the pyramids and the and the you know what I mean? Is it that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because Greek culture, you know, Roman culture, these cultures have a lot of really interesting oh, shit and, too and depth, and they were going on at the same time. But I feel like me too, as a kid, totally into it, Egypt. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's because we're <laughs> horror fans, and it's because of the mummies. 
even before though like i, I, can't, I, I was i wouldn't call myself a horror fan from when i was a little 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 kid i liked scary things when i was a kid even though they scared the shit out oh, of me yeah, so me too. i was always I guess, drawn to the mummies you know i guess I mean? you're right yeah in the dark pyramids and the uh, the way they look you know what i mean yeah yeah i got to stop saying that you know what i mean you know what i mean somebody somebody who listens to the shows uh, uh told me that they said you know you say that a lot and i said thank you for pointing that out you know what i mean <laughs> Somebody did? Somebody told you? Yeah, somebody pointed that That's out. That's funny. May 17th, 1954, the U.S. Supreme Court delivers its landmark ruling in the Brown versus Board mm. of Education declaring racial segregation in public schools unconstitutional. Major, major, major moment in history for this country. That's a big deal, dude. It says yeah. the landmark ruling in Brown versus Board on May 17th was a pivotal moment in the history of civil rights in the United States, the case was a consolidation of several lawsuits challenging racial segregation in public schools, with the lead plaintiff being Oliver Brown, mm. an African-American father from Topeka, Kansas. The case reached the United States Supreme Court, where the justices were tasked with deciding whether the doctrine of, quote, separate but equal, established by the 1896 ruling in Plessy versus Ferguson, was constitutional. Plessy versus Ferguson had upheld that racial segregation as long as the separate facilities were deemed equal in quality. Brown versus Board of Education challenged this doctrine, arguing that racial segregation in public education inherently violated constitutional rights of African-American students. It was a unanimous decision. Chief Justice Earl Warren delivered the court's ruling, stating that racial segregation in public schools violated the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause, which guarantees equal treatment under the law. Like how he said, in public schools. Yeah. Not private schools. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a big deal, dude. It had a oh huge God, impact, obviously, right? And, yeah. And uh, in 1954. It started a lot of problems, too. This week. Did start a lot of problems. A lot of problems. But it shows, uh, it shows the work that needed to be done within uh, society here in America. Yep. And how that work is still being done. Still, to this day, 2023. Yeah. Still to this day. That was what, 1954? Yep. Jesus. Crazy, right? Here's some other crazy stuff. May 18th, 1980, mm -hmm. Mount St. Helens volcano in Washington State erupts, causing significant destruction and loss of life. Yes. Did they teach you this in school? Like, how did you, what, how did you know about this? Because I was there last year. Um, oh, you! Oh, that's right. You went. So this is where you learned about it. Yeah, I didn't know. And and through really, reading so you this, didn't even know about it till then. I think I was aware, but I didn't know it was this volcano. Okay. Because I remember, I remember hearing about a volcano erupting over on the west coast, but mm -hmm. I always thought it was closer up towards Vancouver. Mm. So yeah, when I started, you know, planning the trip last year, and I saw this, I was like, oh shit! And then I said, oh yeah, the volcano's still active. I was like, oh great. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the eruption of Mount St. Helens on May 18th, 1980 was one of the most significant volcanic events in the history of the United States. Hmm. Located in Washington State, Mount St. Helens is part of the Cascade Range and had been dormant for over a century before its catastrophic Jeez. eruption. So 100 years had already gone by. Hmm. How many years now? Where are we at? About 43. Hmm. See, I can do that math in my head. <laughs> <laughs> the eruption was preceded by a series of earthquakes and steam venting from the volcano, indicating indicating heightened volcanic activity. On the morning of May 18th, a massive landslide triggered by a 5.1 magnitude earthquake oh, removed the volcano's north flank. This landslide released pent-up pressure, triggering a powerful lateral blast that swept across the surrounding landscape at tremendous speed. 
The lateral blast moving at over 300 miles per hour devastated an area of 230 square miles. It leveled trees, stripped away vegetation, and caused extensive destruction to buildings, roads, and bridges. The impact of the blast was felt up to 19 miles away from the volcano. Following the blast, there was a massive eruption column. Uh, a massive eruption column soared into the sky, reaching an altitude of 15 miles. It deposited ash across several states, causing widespread yeah, disruption it. to air travel and affecting visibility in nearby cities. The fo- ash fallout resulted in collapses of roof, contamination of water supply, and agricultural damage. It claimed the lives of 57 people, including geologists, loggers, campers who were in the vicinity of the volcano. Jeez. Bro, what the fuck? Can you imagine you were just out there to be camping? And all of a sudden, this thing just starts going off, man. What the hell? And there's nothing you can do. You just know you're going to be dying because if it when it blows, that's, that's just what happens. Oh, I know. Crazy, dude. May 19th, 1536, Anne Boleyn, the second wife of King Henry VIII of England, is mm. beheaded on charges of adultery and treason. Do you know anything about the Boleyn sisters and brothers or um, whatever that whole? No, Wasn't but that what a I show? can. TV show? There was, a, there was a movie, I think, called The Other Boleyn Sister. Was that what it was? Yeah, I think so. Um, no, but the only thing I guess I can say in regards to this is it's good to be the king, huh? <laughs> I um, The only thing I know really, because I don't remember How much about this. How fucked up is that, dude? I don't know uh, much. I mean, I know he had the wives thing. I know something about that. I don't, I'm not too familiar with this much of, of the stories. Uh, uh, like, much yeah, of the story one, of this part of history. Uh, I know the song, King Henry Eighth. I am. But how <laughs> fucked up is that? That you're just you're in such a powerful position that you can just be like, yeah, I'm bored with this wife. She cheated on me, off with her head. Yeah, right. Or she upset me, off yeah. with her head. Crazy. Or you, here's another kind of example of powerful man who discarded mm. of a woman. Right. Yeah. May nineteenth, nineteen sixty-two. Fucked up. Marilyn Monroe performs her famous rendition of Happy Birthday for President John F. Kennedy at Madison Square Garden. Mm, so, first Jackie of all, was fucking human. Do we have big celebrations for presidents' birthdays? Like, did we do? Did we do that for Trump or no. Bush or Biden or Obama or any of them? Like, no, I, don't I don't remember any. I don't remember doing that for anybody. JFK had one at Madison Square Garden, bro. But also With remember who Marilyn JF- Monroe. But remember who JFK is and where his family comes from. Or was it that Marilyn Monroe was performing at Madison Square Garden and JFK was there and it was his birthday? I don't think so because she. What would she have been performing at Madison? She wasn't a singer. Was it a birthday party for JFK at Probably. Madison Square Garden? I wouldn't doubt it. We got to look into that now. That requires an investigation. I want answers. I want photo evidence. <laughs> May 19th, 1999. Ooh, this is more recent. Mm-hmm. The film Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is released, reigniting the Star Wars saga on the big screen. I remember going to the theater and seeing this. You did? Yes, because we were there watching it, and all of a sudden my aunt and uncle and my cousin go by. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> we ended up in the same theater watching the movie. I, th- I saw this. Yeah, oh, I'm sure, yeah. And I remember, and I saw it, and here's the thing that sucked. I saw it twice. Mm. The first time I saw it, I was in the very front row. Because it was the only seats available, and I was like, fuck it. i am got to see, see this. this. I have to. Star Wars is returning. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, mm. insane. And I remember just being like, a lot of it seemed kind of cool. Um, the pod races, I was like, Jesus Christ, the fuck is happening? <laughs> right? Because it was like. Because you're like moving your head all over, dude. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, 
when but, you're swinging that lightsaber, you're like following it with your eyes. But I remember leaving, just going like, okay. I mean, it wasn't like whatever, but it was yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah. It wasn't bad. And I, then I watched it again, and I was like, I don't know. This is kind of boring in some of these parts. Like, come on, let's go. Yeah, very right? much so. It was very much a slower movie. I felt like than the originals. Yeah, dude, it was highly anticipated, and it says it was. Uh, oh, of course, May nineteenth marked a highly anticipated and significant moment in the history of Star Wars. The film was the first installment of the prequel trilogy, which aimed to explore the events leading up to the original Star Wars tril- trilogy. Uh, the movie was directed by George Lucas, again the creator of Star Wars, and served as the prequel to the original films, set approximately 32 years before the events. Mm. It delved into the backstory of key characters such as Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's what I did like, is we got more story and more mythos and more things. Yeah, so yeah, I like yeah. that. I like the world cool. building of those things. You yes. know, What I could move away from was the the all the politics it was too yeah. much. Like it was important, and I get it because you got to understand that the reason some of these people live the lives they live is because of what's happening in the political climate of the galaxy. Yes, right? but I would have, but I would have much preferred them to explore the mythos and all that of the Jedi and the Jedi Council yeah. than all than the Senate and all the other shit. Yeah, dude, you know. Do you like the Do you like the prequels? Do you like them? Um, I liked them when they came out as a kid. Now that I'm a little bit older and I can underststand better. I don't like them as much. There's a lot of people your age that love them. Oh, because, because when again, they were a kid, that, that was, was their, their thing. Yeah. Yeah, despite the high expectations, the film received mixed reviews from both critics and fans. Some praised its visual effects and action sequences, while others criticized aspects of the storytelling and character development. Nevertheless, it achieved significant commercial success, grossing over $1 billion at the worldwide box office. Then it was followed, obviously, by Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. See, now, and remember... One billion dollars then is not one billion dollars now. Right. Way easier to hit that nowadays. Right. So good for them. Right. Uh, oh, Lordy. Let's see. Uh, May 20th, 1873, Levi Strauss and Jacob ah. Davis receive a U.S. patent for blue jeans with copper rivets, marking the birth of the iconic denim jeans. Do you hear about the shipwreck that they found where they found like a, a basically an intact original pair of Levi's? No way. Yeah. And they Holy. sold at auction for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Let me like see. one of these from the 1870s. Let me let me let me let me. Google that it real is quick. amazing. If that is the case, so when I when I think of this, when I think 1800s and Levi's and jeans, immediately you think of the cowboys. You think of the oh yeah the Wild West, right? Like that's immediately where my head goes. BBC, uh, world's oldest known jeans found in 1857 shipwreck sell for $114,000. Okay, so the, it, it was the actual jeans, but it wasn't the, like this was patented, so it became official in 1873. Obviously, they were making them and do it wearing these jeans. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. 1850s? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome, dude. There were no earlier five button fly jeans in existence. Hmm. Category two hurricane sunk the ship, killing. 425 of the 578 passengers and crew. Damn. Right here. uh, Auction officials say the five-button fly strongly suggests the jeans could have been an early manufacturer of work pants sold by Levi Strauss. That's dope. Yeah. You know what else happened on May 20th? No. 1927, Charles Lindbergh takes off from New York in his airplane, the Spirit of St. Louis, beginning his historic solo transatlantic flight to Paris. Nice. 
I know a lot about this because I remember being taught this in school. I well, remember. I thought you were going to say you remember it. <laughs> the idea. I remember, you know, his 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 plane being called the Spirit of St. Louis, mm-hmm. and this idea that he flew the whole time and how long it took and how treacherous it was, how scary, how you know he's sitting there over the ocean and all you hear is the oh, the dude, that's got thing. Be, yeah, that's got nothing, be scary, nothing man. but around you, and he's just hoping no matter what that if this he goes is down, make nobody's it. gonna know, nobody's right. gonna find him, right? And so like, and then he's got to take a piss. He's like, crack the cockpit, no, right? Um, Bottles, but yeah, this wasn't something we learned about really in school. No, no, more so Amelia Earhart, and it was briefly mentioned. Yeah, the thing I, th- I know about Charles Lindbergh was his kidnapped kid. Yeah, that became a thing too. But other than that, yeah. I know more about Howard Hughes than I know about Charles Lindbergh. <laughs> At the time, air travel across the Atlantic was a significant challenge that had claimed the lives of several pilots who attempted the feat. Lindbergh, a young aviator and airmail pilot, aimed to make the journey nonstop and solo, setting a new milestone in aviation history. His aircraft, the Spirit of St. Louis, was a custom-built monoplane specifically designed for the long-distant flight. Hmm. So this was built specifically for this, meaning like there hadn't been other ones built ahead to know that this but would work because no one had ever tried it. Here's the thing. Somebody's got to do it first. Yeah. It was named after his supporters in St. Louis, Missouri, who had financed the construction of the aircraft. Nice. On the morning of May 20th, he took off from Roosevelt Field in New York with a crowd of onlookers and well-wishers gathered to witness the historic event. He navigated across the Atlantic facing numerous challenges, including fatigue, isolation, and treacherous weather conditions. After a grueling flight that lasted approximately 33 and a half hours, Lindbergh successfully landed at Le Le Bourget Field (laughs) near Paris on May 21st. His, his achievement made him an international celebrity and a symbol of the rapidly advancing field of aviation. If he thought a 33-hour straight flight was bad, he should take a trip to Mars. There's some people who say that they think maybe he landed on an island somewhere on the way and then took off again, was able ah, to rest for a little bit and took off. If he had off. to take a shit, dude, he might have. But no one would ever know, right? No, no one will would ever know, know. Except him. Unless like, someday we come across an island and find... like. He's writing something, right? He's taking pictures with people. (laughs) No one will ever see this kind of thing. (laughs) Oh, man. We we go to an island and there's cave cave drawings of him and his airplane coming down from the sky, dude. Yeah. There's a couple more on this list real quick. May 20th, 1989, the Chinese government declares martial law in Beijing in response to pro-democracy demonstrations in (laughs) Tiananmen Square. Uh, yeah, I remember learning a little bit about that. Not much, just touching on it. I remember the the famous photo and video of the dude. Uh, standing up to the tank, though. Yeah, yeah. Remember that. Do you remember him climbing up on top of the I tank? I remember that. Okay. Oh, wait. Did that happen or no? Did it? Is that a, is that a Mandela effect? There, there's some sort of Mandela effect. Uh, I think that pertains to Tiananmen Square, but I can't remember exactly what it is. Yeah. Was it that remember. he he they he sat in front of it and they ran him over? I think that might have been what it was. Or was and it people that he were got like up so and shocked. went on top of it? No, I think it was that he got run over because the the thing is that people were so shocked that they played this on television. Uh, but then they're like, that never happened. <laughs> yeah. Something like I that. I love Mandela effect things, dude, where people are like, wait, what? Didn't this happen? Like, no, bro. <laughs> like, uh, the namesake, Mandela, all the people who vividly remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison and a funeral televised all over the world. I don't remember any of that. And then he died in like 2012. <laughs> May 20th, 2012. Hey. 
The Facebook initial uh, public offering IPO takes place, making it one of the largest technology IPOs in history. Doesn't doesn't surprise me when it comes to Facebook being the largest tech something in history. So that that makes me think the way that went down and that whole day for them was exactly like Wolf of Wall Street when they went public with the shoes. Yeah. That's what I, I feel like their office was very much like. Sweet. Well, there you go, dude. That's, that's some things that happened this week. It was a lot. It yeah. was a lot. But it was some cool informational yeah, yeah, things, yeah. some stuff I didn't know. And for folks at home, when they listen, I hope they learn something, maybe, mm-hmm. right? If you love history and, and you're into that, maybe there's some things you, maybe there's stuff that we touched on and we're like, didn't know anything about it. And you did. Yeah. Let us yeah, know. Yeah, let, let us know because we're trying to get our accreditation at a local university so we can actually get an intern in here. <laughs> yeah. Let, let us know. Seriously, feel free to send us an email at hardlyawesomestudios at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know your thoughts on some of these things. Yeah. School us, man. If you know some more stuff than we do and we're too lazy to look it up on Google or Wikipedia or ChatGPT. Or correct us if correct we said us. something yeah. wrong. Because this segment has been brought to you by ChatGPT. <laughs> I'm going to do that anytime I use use it for the show, for content. I'm going to be like I did the research to find it and put that list together. I didn't do that. No. That's not from a website. Come on now. All right, guys. Let's head over and talk about what we've been watching, streaming, oh, or playing true. that's history or history adjacent related. When okay. I say that because we talk about weird, paranormal, creepy. That's part of this whole thing. Yes. So, yes. Let's check this out. What about you, dude? You watch anything? Not really, dude. Nothing more than like what I typically do for for our other show. I did finally beat the campaign. This was a couple weeks ago. I finally beat the campaign for Call of Duty World War Two. Did I'm you? Surprised it took me this long because the campaign is very short. They're obviously making those games mostly for the online play now. Really? Uh, yeah, that's very evident. But I wish it was a longer campaign. You should uh, write an angry letter to play slower. Activision. Play slower. I did. I did. Like it took walk. me years. You're not allowed to run. Ah, walk okay. everywhere in the game. I'm not allowed to shoot people. I got to kill them. At no, r- r- shooting's fine, but there's no running at all. Play the game where you can't run at all, and you walk on the hardest difficulty. On the hardest difficulty. Okay. There's like a spot where you have to run across a bridge because it's blowing up behind. Follow the planks shit. are falling behind me. <laughs> You're like, nope, like, I'm nope. walking, bitches. I guess I can't you finish just keep this dying. game. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbeatable. You start figuring out how to get around it and shit. Um, that's not bad. That's cool. Yeah, that works. Yeah, nothing else really. No paranormal shows. Not watching any. Um, you don't watch creepy shows, creepy nah, videos on X, YouTube. X Files. I don't watch much YouTube. I was gonna say I'm you're not, not like a YouTube you. viewer. No, no bro. I, never I have become such a YouTube viewer. Yeah. YouTube. I've become YouTube. such a YouTube you viewer <laughs> in the past a little bit over a year now. Okay, I have to say I just been like really heavy into it. Maybe a couple years now. Okay, I. You know what? I don't. I, I don't pay for it. Uh, so anytime I go to watch oh, a you video, think it's the com- there's commercials. always a fucking commercial at the beginning, dude. And it's yeah. so annoying. I ended up paying for premium because Anthony and I were going to do reaction videos back in the day as part oh, of Hardly right Awesome. Yeah. And we didn't want to have to do a reaction video with commercials popping up in the middle. You know what yeah. I mean? No, so I, I was like, you. let me get this. And then so I got it and I never turned it off. Hmm. And I can't turn it off now because I could. you're it, addicted. Bro, how are you going to, exactly, how are you going to watch shit with commercials like that? I can't do it, dude. Can't do it. It's like when I watch things on Tubi or... or I'm or, one of these people that don't mind paying a couple bucks extra to not have to deal with the inconvenience of, of a commercial. 
and the propaganda being just shoved into my face nonstop, you know, as I pull up YouTube videos. The thing I like about commercials is it gives me time to rot my brain on Instagram, though. Ah, that's your that's your break to get on the phone. Yeah, I uh, hate it. It's a vicious cycle, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I already saw this picture already. Would somebody post something? All right, I'll see you on the next commercial break. Um, and you're waiting for the next commercial break, yeah, so you can get away from whatever you're watching. Yeah, exactly. Get on your phone, and then there's no more commercial breaks. <laughs> All right, so let me tell you about this channel I found. All right, it's called JD Brick Productions. Okay, this channel does all kinds of things with Lego. Oh, okay. All historical war related oh nice so there's tutorials on how to put together tanks okay like a tiger tank a d-day landing craft okay the m3 stewart a7 v tank okay nice then i found that this channel the person who does this channel i don't know if it's a guy or a it's woman jay jalen's james cody <laughs> J, jd Brick Productions recreates specific moments from battles in history using Lego stop motion. Really? Let is me it, show. I'm going to show you. Is it better or worse than my Lego stop motion animation film? I'm going to let you look at it and then you tell me what you think. Okay. World War II Battle of the Bulge. Oh, okay. Okay. World War II Battle of the Bulge. Describe what you're seeing. Um, I'm seeing Lego guys uh, smoking cigarettes, it looks like. Um, music's climbing. Tanks going through the forest. It's coming in. Yeah. couple tanks. Snowing. Now we're inside the tank. Watching the guy drink a cup of coffee and drive the tank. <laughs> Here's the soldiers running up behind it. Marching. Isn't this awesome? This is pretty good, dude. This guy just cocked his gun. Look at this shit. Look at, look at the cinematic, like, the way they do it. Damn, dude. Dang. There's, like, Special mortar effects. shots hitting off, uh... Look at the fire. They're coming out the barrels and the way the guys are recoiling when the guns are firing. This is dope. Bro, that is four minutes and 20 seconds of Good that, God. right? There is the battle for Sane, C-A-E-N, World War II. Okay. Uh, Gallipoli campaign, the Bismarck, the battle for the Bismarck oh, is on okay. here. Dude, they have like, it's insane when you see the, the planes. Oh, dropping bombs and shit? It, yo, look at this with the water. That's the ship, cool. It's insane. That's insane. Wild. I wonder how long it took to, takes them to put these things together. Man. I don't know, but not only done... do you got to set it up, move them, and take the picture, but then you got to edit it all together too. Yeah, man. Um, Battle of Rourke's Drift. Uh, how old are the videos? From a year ago, two years oh. ago, three years ago. Okay, recently. two or three years ago. Yeah, Battle for Omaha Beach, a plane battle, dogfight, stop oh motion, my God, dude, dude. I'm telling you, even old stuff, a pirate sea battle, it's it's so dope. When I found this, I was like, what? Vikings? I was like, this is amazing. 
So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to bring this to the show. But it works for this because it's historical, man. It's all Mm -hmm. historical battles using all Lego. And the stop motion production is off the charts. It's like watching a mini movie. Yeah. Like he's doing camera angles when you're watching the the tanks come in through through the forest where it's snowing and stuff, right? Well, first of all, the trees with the little white dots, specks of what that's the snow. You know what I mean? The tanks are coming in, and his camera angle is from within the woods because you can see like some of the the trunks of the trees in the way. You know what I mean? Bro, come on. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a love of number one, history. Mm -hmm. Number two, production, film, and Lego. I mean, the skill. To do that, put that whole t- the because t- it rolls into town. Not only does it that, dude, there's one where it goes into this town, and dude, you got multiple the whole town. It's all Lego blown up, dude. Too and falling it's apart. Bonkers. And- I'm gonna send you that the link to that again, so that when you have some time, you can check them out. But yeah, check. Uh, what was it? JD Brick Productions. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Word. Check that out. Check it out. Go. Check it out. Let's take a quick break, dude. All right, good. We'll I gotta, be right back. I got to go tinkle. <laughs> what do you think people imagine when they picture the Cecil Hotel? Is there a room here that maybe somebody hasn't died in? I never got used to that. Never got used to that. Throughout its history, the Hotel Cecil has always had a dark persona. People call it... Hotel Death. This was a place where serial killers let their hair down. Like Richard Ramirez, who had come back covered in blood, and no one's got a problem with that. A hotel with a notorious past is the site of another bizarre case. Alicia Lamb from Vancouver, Canada, is missing. The big unanswered question is, where is she? The last footage that we had of her was inside the elevator. That's where the case starts to go askew. She kept looking outside the door. Why is the elevator not going anywhere? Is someone keeping her here? Her hand movements are very strange and erratic. Like she's conjuring a spirit. It makes people wonder, is there something evil going on here? It just blew up. In the Web Sleuth community, it created this feeding frenzy. If it's a murder, then you need a murderer. You really don't have the full story. She was running around trying to save her own life. Bad things keep happening here over and over again. This hotel was hiding something. I would have never thought what was about to happen could happen. This is the latest chapter in a dark history for the Cecil Hotel. You heard him ready to talk about the hotel system, dude. Why don't, you just, why don't you just let me borrow the sweatshirt off your back, dude? Come on, though. Because I'm chilly, Be a bro. good host. Fuck that shit. Oh, you didn't bring a jacket? No, because I thought it was going to end up warming up, and it didn't. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Because yesterday it was so nice, dude. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. It was gorgeous. So my sister invited her boyfriend to dinner with the family tonight. Tonight and is said that I told her to invite him. I said, "Don't fucking put words in my mouth." Wait, is there some drama going on? <laughs> no, family just, text. No, I'm just giving her shit though, because she said she told she told my dad. She said, "Yeah, Jimmy asked if he could come." I said, "Don't be putting words in my mouth." I did not. Yeah, 
That's uh, that's Family weird. drama, always. All right, dude, you ready to talk about our subject today? Yeah. Once again, if you're somebody who gets triggered by talks of suicide. Now would be your time. Murder. To. Death. Shut off the episode. Paranormal. And listen to something else. Unexplained. Yeah. Don't uh don't listen further. Today we're talking about the Hotel Cecil Oof. in Los Angeles, California. No longer the Hotel Cecil now, no. but the Hotel Cecil. But it still has its its storied name face on there. So everything on the hotel still says Cecil. Yeah, it's storied tragic history mm-hmm. and some of the things that have occurred within the Cecil Hotel the Hotel Cecil, things that have been attributed to the Hotel Cecil and some of the and it's more recently one of the more bizarre stories that kind of went down. The one that that we that brought this to our well, at least for me, my forefront. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check this out. Surveillance video of a Canadian woman uh, adds to the mystery around her death. This, take a look, is 21-year-old Elisa Lamb riding an elevator at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. So she peers out the doors, runs back in, and then presses several buttons. Strange behavior, but what happened afterward? is even more bizarre. Several weeks after she was last seen, Los Angeles fire crews pulled Lamb's body from the hotel's water tank on the roof. So let's turn now to CNN's King Law in front of the Cecil Hotel right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's what brought that to my map. Same here. I had never heard anything about it until this story had happened. Mm-hmm. And we were doing history creeps, Johnny Townsend and Carter okay. Johnson and I. And... Um, I remember just being like... Because that happened in what, 2012? I can't remember. Maybe 2012, 2013, something like yeah, that. Yeah, let me look it just up. Just like, now. this was crazy. It was such a bizarre, bizarre story and videos. 2013, January. Yeah. And there was also that whole thing with the elevator. Mm-hmm. And I remember and the elevator was game. very, very uh, uh, strange. Do you know about the elevator game? Nah, maybe. I think it, it. I think it comes from maybe Japan or something like that. But there's the whole thing about the elevator game where you go in an elevator. Okay. You hit it to the, a certain floor, and you go in this certain pattern. You go one floor, then you go to another one, then you go back down to a certain. You have to do it in a certain way. And when you do, and it opens up to the final floor you're supposed to go to, it opens up to an alternate reality. Interesting. And you're I've never so, heard of that. I'll look it up while we're talking about this so we can kind of get into that later as Next we get time. closer to this story because a lot of people tied it to this story. So, so we'll, I'll have it ready to go by the time we get to find that. Find out how many buttons you need to do for that because the next time we stay at a hotel that has that many buttons on the elevator, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Tell us a little bit about the Hotel Cecil in terms of your experience with it. You're okay. just just from this story. Like, did you see it when you were out so there? So I've actually or? been to the hotel. That's what I want to hear. No, I'm Let's kidding. Never oh, you been fucking to the, asshole! I know. <laughs> Damn, dude, I thought you were gonna be like, we actually went there to check this out. Um, no, I've never been there. I I vaguely remember, you know, the the, the red advertisement on the side that says, you know, Cecil, we got rooms, 700 rooms, uh, week, uh, not weekend, uh, weekly, monthly rates. I vaguely remember seeing that advertisement on the side of the building, driving around LA, but I've never been to the hotel. Never been to the hotel. It really wasn't even on my radar too much when I was living there. Okay, so when I went to... And had I known about it, I probably would have not gone there anyway, just because not so much about the haunting, not so much about you know the, the bad mojo circulating mm-hmm. around the hotel, just more so because it's not a very good area. 
Oh, yeah? It's Skid Row, right? Skid Row, yeah. Well, that, but then the people who, you know, get rooms in that place is not usually the best characters. So I don't think I'd want to surround myself with that and have, you know, just the risk of even getting mugged. Okay. You know what I mean? We're going to be using, at least I'm going to be using a few different resources here in terms okay. of talking about some of this stuff. You said yeah, you yeah. wrote some notes. You did some research yes, yourself. Yes, I watched a video on YouTube. Um, I'm using some from Wikipedia. Geographics. Uh, it was hosted by Simon Whistler. And then, yes, Wikipedia. I'm using Wikipedia. I'm using some Jet Chat GPT, and I'm using a few videos. I watched the, the um, I think I already said it, the BuzzFeed the oh, yeah, Unsolved yeah, yeah. about the Elisa Lamb story. Yeah, I watched it a lot. And there's a four-part story on Netflix. Which I watched that as well. Um, I didn't watch that. I, I saw I, it when it first came out. I feel like I saw it when it first came out, too, because I was like, this is very familiar when I started watching it again. But I was like, I don't have enough time to watch all of these, so I'm not going to bother jumping in right now. I know a lot about yeah. this story. But let, let's start right here real quick. What Wikipedia says, the Cecil Hotel is an affordable housing complex in downtown Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah, it opened in December 20th, 1924 as a budget hotel. In 2011, the hotel was renamed the Stay on Main. So when BuzzFeed Unsolved does their thing, they go there. It's the Stay on Main. It's mm-hmm. it's that's what they're at. Yep. So this the Cecil was built in 1924 by three hoteliers: William Banks Hanner, Charles L. Dix, and Robert H. Shops or Scopes, however you say that, as a destination for business travelers and tourists. Mm-hmm. First question for you: Okay, 1924, these three guys open it. Is it immediately cursed when you know one of your owner's last name is Dix? Like, come on. It's hard to go through life with a name like Dix as your last name. Um, I don't think. It's like it's like they're already starting. Like, I don't think the word, the name Dix had anything to do with it. Just but. say it, bro. Like, immediately. People are snickering when they hear the, you know. Yeah, you're going to get a reputation Dad's for Dad's reading the paper, hotel, right? not a suicide. Dad's hotel. reading the paper in the morning. This is 1924. The wife's cooking over here at the at the the kitchen right he's like honey listen to this the the these three hoteliers are going to be opening up a new hotel here called the cecil uh it's some guy named hanner some guy named scopes and some guy named dicks and she goes <laughs> come on you know that's happening oh i don't doubt it also it's 1924 so that's no, why no, they no. talk like that you it's know 19, that's how they talk in 1924 nobody was perverted back then nobody was oh. bad everybody was was prime you never seen those little proper, penny dude. things that you you put your oh, I know. I, i've seen them, dude. the wild dude wild west had the the whole house <laughs> oh i know 1924 we talked like this in 1924 so this hotel one of the guys the investors put mm-hmm. in a million dollars for this place which today is 14 million dollar investment really 700 rooms 14 stories. Dang. Yeah. It's 14, craziness. right? They didn't yeah. have a, a, a 13 in the elevator, though, right? Went I don't 14 think so. I think because of the bad connotation around 13. And I think yeah. that's still a thing, right? It is. It I don't is. think I've, I've seen, seen an it. elevator with 13 on it. I've seen it at places where they skip 13. Interesting. Or they skip certain room numbers because of things like that. Uh, it says here that some of the information I have, the construction and the opening, the Hotel Cecil was designed by architects Lester Smith and William Lee. It opened its doors on December 20th, 1924. The hotel was built in the Beaux Arts style, which was popular in the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. The exterior showcased ornate decorations, including terracotta accents and sculptural elements. Inside, the hotel featured a grand lobby adorned with marble, decorative plasterwork, and elaborative light fixtures. Now, think about like what it devolved into. But when it first opened, think of how grand this was. Well, and, and they, they, they built it to be very grand because they're trying to attract a certain type of clientele 
Yeah. Affluent people who got a lot of money to spend. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, oh, they attracted a mix of people, it says here. Business travelers, tourists, mm-hmm. residents. Uh, you said it was 700 rooms, making it one of the largest hotels in Los Angeles. Its amenities included a luxurious marble lobby, a grand ballroom, a rooftop garden with panoramic views, mm. and a palm court. The hotel aimed to cater to a more affluent clientele. Then the Great Depression hits. Before that, we get our first death. In 1926. Oh, you're going to go right into the oh, dark Oh, yeah. Stuff. Why don't we just go right into it, man? Go get anyway, it. Anyway, yeah, Tell June 19th. Us, I'll start bringing us through some things, and then when you say it, let's jump into it. June 19th, 1926 uh, is yeah. the first reported death at the hotel. Retired a mining member, William McKay, was found dead of natural causes in his room. They don't really suspect anything foul play. Uh, he just unfortunately The hotel took away. his life. He was the first victim. And then in yeah. 1927, February, we get our first arrest of somebody at the hotel. For what reasoning? John Crimian. He was a known burglar, and they just happened to uh, apprehend him while he was staying at the hotel. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now we're like you're you're talking about. It opens especially first for this, and as soon as these things start happening, I feel like maybe that starts to tarnish its image. It can't well, be so grand and, not and very higher long, clientele, man. right? Not very long because it only opened in 1924, and now you're in 1929. Yeah. Well, uh, 27. The first overdose at the hotel was 1929, April. Jesus. On, on what? What was it? I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. I might have it here in my notes. It just doesn't go in this order. Mm-hmm. Next, we're talking about the Great Depression. The onset yes. of the Great Depression in the 1930s brought financial hardship to the Hotel Cecil. Well, the, the ec- whole surrounding area. Yeah, the economic downturn resulted in a decline in tourism and a decrease in business travel. The hotel struggled to maintain its high standards and began transitioning into a budget accommodation. So immediately, right? Yep. Like you said, not even 10 years yet, and it's already going through this this process, mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately. Yeah, like you said, there's notorious incidents that happen through this, but uh, I'll come back to that here in a second. Okay. What else you got? Well, November 16th, 1931 was the first reported success. I don't want to put it this way, but successful suicide. Okay. And by the end of the 30s, there were seven suicide attempts in total. Ooh. Only one of them ended up surviving. That's crazy. Yeah. Yes. And, And again, I mean, look at... The, this time period in history, people are losing everything. Apparently, one of the and things you can't is, get out of it. Yeah, apparently, one of the things also is that it had a very accessible rooftop, which made it tragic. Yep, I don't uh, doubt a it. tragic choice for individuals to mm-hmm. end their lives. Reports suggest that at least a dozen suicides have taken place there. Some of them, the ones that we know of, are only because they occurred in public view. Yeah. But they said that they think there were a lot more that the hotel kept secret because oh, they were found in rooms hanging. Gunshot, poison, mm-hmm. murders kept quieter because they didn't want to ruin the name of the hotel. Oh, we'll um, get there. We'll get yeah. there. What else we have that's dark about this place? So this is the one we talked about recently on our one of our last kind of weird, the, the last episode where we talked about yeah, Black Dahlia. 1950s, right? But I don't think there was a real connection here. No, the it's conflicting reports, so there's no definitive connection. People think the connection kind of stems from just the... Uh, the aura that this hotel uh, projects because of all this other shit that happened there. And she had been in the area at other bars, but they don't, I mean, a lot of people doubt that she was actually ever there. Yeah. What about the pigeon lady? Yes, Pauline Otto. In the 1960s and 1970s, a woman known as the pigeon lady, yeah, lived at the Hotel Cecil. She resided in a room on the top floor and was known for her eccentric behavior and her habit of feeding pigeons in a nearby Pershing Square. 
Yes. And I've been to Pershing Square. Okay. So I've been down in that area. Where the pigeon lady used to live. Yes. Then we move into the Skid Row era of this building, Skid Row and Rehabilitation by well, the 1980s. Gonna, let's back up a couple. I got a couple other things here I want to mention real quick. More dark stuff? Yes. I want to jump into the dark stuff altogether at the oh, end. Oh, okay, we'll, great. We'll, I want to just do an overview of this, the hotel the, real quick. Word. So Skid Row and Rehabilitation by the 1980s, the area surrounding the Hotel Cecil had become known as Skid Row, mm-hmm. an area with high levels of homelessness and crime. The hotel itself fell into disrepair and gradually became a place of last resort for low-income residents and transient individuals seeking affordable housing. Mm -hmm. So we know about the Skid Row era of the 80s, and then a lot of the bands that came out, that hair metal thing, even a band called Skid Skid Row. Row. Talk about that area. Talk about you know some of the the little clubs they had to play in those areas. Still there, dude. That's all I know about. It's still Skid Row? Oh, it's still Skid Row. The homeless problem, and especially now after the pandemic, I'm sure it's even tenfold worse. Yeah, but and when then, I was out there, the homeless problem and, was so bad. And now the heroin epidemic, plus Ugh. the what's this new thing they've got? This crank, this oh, not this crank, other this stuff. Trank, that's what it's called. Yeah. Jesus, you seen this? People like yeah. zombies in streets, yep, dude. It's fucking it. crazy. In 2011, the hotel underwent a partial rebranding effort and was renamed Stay on Main. The change aimed to attract a younger, budget-conscious clientele by offering affordable accommodations in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Then, two years later. The Elisa Lamb case. We'll get into that as we we get into the darker side. And now its current status, as of my knowledge, uh, let's see here. Well, within the last five years, just before the pandemic, they started doing renovations on it again. There was plans to propose to transform the building into a mix of hotel rooms and residential units, Mm -hmm. seeking to preserve its historical elements while incorporating modern amenities. The redevelopment aims to revitalize the building and contribute to the ongoing revitalization efforts in downtown LA. And I guess where is it at now? When I was reading, I if I remember correctly, it said that they ended up shutting it down during the pandemic, doing yeah. a lot of renovations. On Slowed it, it down, yeah. Yep. And now it's back as a uh, they opened it back up as stay in Maine with uh, just affordable housing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But still not a very good idea. You're, that's the worst place to have affordable housing because you're still. Yeah have people in there who are going through mental health crises, active drug recovery, right down next to Skid Row where all this stuff is readily available. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's the cultural significance of this hotel. The Hotel Cecil has become an intriguing subject of fascination in popular culture. Mm -hmm. The reason? Its enigmatic history and dark reputation have inspired writers, filmmakers, and artists who have incorporated the hotel into their works. It has become featured in books, documentaries, television shows that explore the supernatural and true crime genres, up to and including podcasts. Mm, And that is what we're doing, because this is kind of one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it, is the dark side of this, Mm -hmm. the creepy side, the the side that, as I would say, is fun. Yes. So let's rewind a little bit, dude. Let's yeah. go back to what you had. You had some stuff. You had some dark stuff. We At talked the beginning, about especially during the, the depression. Again, because that was just it was so hard for so many people, right. and they just couldn't get out of these these right. depths that they had found themselves in. Right now, it had already had this kind of reputation by the forties, mm-hmm. right? That there was suicides. There was dark things there. There was bad guys being, you know, a lot of criminals would hide out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there had been all different kinds of shady individuals that lived in that that building. So when you hear about something like the Black Dahlia that shocks shocks a city, 
Uh, it kind of makes sense that people want to tie it to, hey, I think I saw yeah. her at the Cecil Hotel the day before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, so I don't know that I believe it. I don't know that I believe that there is a true tie. But that is part of this hotel's history is that people will tie the Black Dahlia well, and to here's the, thing. the hotel. You can't definitively say she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So there's always an inkling exactly. of maybe she was. So right. you don't know. Right. You don't know. And that's why, that's why it's I say still I tied think. It's my it. opinion, yeah. but yeah. No, I get you. I get you. I get you. What happens between 1940 and 1980? Do we have anything going on? Oh, absolutely. So 1944, September, there's a lifeless body of a baby found. Oh, um, I believe God. they said on an adjacent building top, right? And what happened was. Um, I think somebody threw it from one building to the other. There was a young other. woman who was staying there with her older lover. Um, she started having a bad abdominal pains, went to the bathroom, and ended up giving birth. Didn't know she was pregnant. And she just dropped the baby from the building. Holy shit. Yep. That's fucked up, dude. Yep. Damn. And then 1962. October 12th, Pauline Otto, 27 years old, met with her husband uh, at his work. They're trying to reconcile their relationship. He said, let's not do this at my work. Let's go do this someplace else. Oh, reconcile. Okay, I yes. get it. So uh, <laughs> so they end up uh, they end up going to the Cecil. They re- uh, get a room on the ninth floor. He eventually leaves to go get dinner by himself. So she's still there at the hotel, and she opened the window and jumped. But that's not where the story ends. She, on her way down, strikes somebody on the street. Oh, fuck. And kills them with her. Fuck. Yes. What was the reasoning? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see a reasoning. Probably something. Probably had an argument. So did he really leave? Did he kill her? I don't know. And then say, oh, I wasn't there. Yeah, I know. Very, very much so. There was another woman. I can't remember when it happened. There was another woman who jumped and fell into the power lines below. Jesus. I know. Very morbid. 1964, June 5th, Goldie Olson was the pigeon lady. She was found. Yeah. Uh, this is brutal. She was uh, found stabbed, strangled, and raped. Ooh. And then we get to the 80s. Richard Ramirez. Yes. One of the, the most night famous stalker. residents. Yes. In the mid-1980s, notorious serial killer Richard Ramirez, known as the Night Stalker, stayed at the Hotel Cecil during his killing spree. The hotel's affordable rates and reputation as a transient accommodation made it an attractive choice for individuals seeking anonymity. But that's the thing, right? During this time, he's in there killing people. Mm-hmm. He's staying at this place. This oh, yeah. is where he's at. So what what I read was this he is was like almost like Frank. What's his, uh uh from from Zito? Yeah, Zito. Right. Oh, that just that dingy that feel like dude. that Ugh. staying at this place, killing people, knowing that you just killed somebody and you're coming up. Because I guess from what I was reading, he would. Take off all his bloody clothes in the back alleyway, and then go up to his room in his underwear. Jesus, and, and nobody would think twice because that's the kind think. of place this is. Yes, absolutely, man. Fucked up, dude. Can you imagine the kind of bug infestations this place has? <laughs> <laughs> that's your thing first, yes, right I'm away. Like, Fucking bugs in this place, bro. Have the people dying left and right. <laughs> After the '80s, before we get to 2013, what, what's going on? So after Richard Ramirez in the mid-80s, there was um, another individual uh, yeah. in the early 90s who stayed here. His name was Jack Unterberger. Uh, he was an Austrian yes. gentleman. Came here, did a lot of ride-alongs with LAPD, studying prostitution in America because he was a journalist, and that's what he was writing about. Frank Zito. However, he had previously been arrested in Germany for killing a woman and did time and became a model. Uh, was which that you woman consider, a woman of the night? I believe so. Mm-hmm. A model inmate, so he got released, um, went to Austria, 
and then came to America, and then there were prostitutes being murdered and beaten to death with their bras here in America, which kind of raised the eyebrows of the Austrian officials because shortly before he came here, there were similar murders happening to prostitutes in Austria. So he gets deported back to Austria and gets committed for those crimes and then uh, convicted of those crimes and then gets convicted of the crimes here. And he was staying there as well. Crazy, right? Yes. And then, and then you know, you've always got the, uh, the people who talk about all the ghosts and the hauntings of the place, too. Mm-hmm. There was a kid, I believe, sometime in the 2000s who actually caught a picture of what looks like a spirit outside one of the windows. Really? Is it on YouTube? Uh, it was on the video I was watching, yeah. Oh, that's um, awesome. And then people just reporting things like that. Yeah. Like ghost figures, shadow figures, things like that. Until you get to the January 13 incident of Elisa Lamb. The Elisa Lamb case is a mysterious and widely discussed incident that occurred in 2013 at the Hotel Cecil Mm -hmm. in downtown Los Angeles. 21-year-old Canadian student went missing during her stay at the hotel, and her body was later discovered in one of the rooftop water tanks. You know how she was discovered, right? Well, here are the key key details. This is disgusting. First, the disappearance. Elisa Lamb was last seen alive on January 31st at the Hotel Cecil. She had been traveling alone and had chosen Mm -hmm. the hotel as her accommodation. It was more of a hostel-style thing that was going on. She was staying with a few people, and apparently she was moved to her own room because they complained that she was acting weird. Yeah. She was too weird for them, so she ended up getting her own room. After several days without contact, her family reported her missing on February 1st, 2013. Her family was from in another country. They're not even from here, I don't think. If I remember correctly. So this is so this is weird because she was last seen alive on January thirty first. Okay. And on February first, her parents reported her mystering after several days without contact. So she probably just wasn't in contact with them leading up to this, but that's the but last time the, anybody at the hotel had seen the her. The camera footage probably was that day. Oh, yeah. that too, yeah. Because that's what happens here. So next spot, sur- next detail, surveillance footage. The case gained significant attention when the Los Angeles Police Department released surveillance footage from the hotel's elevator. The footage captured on February 1st showed Elisa behaving erratically and strangely, seemingly interacting with someone or something outside the elevator. She was seen pressing multiple buttons, peering out the elevator door, and making unusual hand movements. The video went viral and sparked widespread speculation and theories. Let's stop there. You've seen the video, right? Mm-hmm. Bizarre. I remember when I first saw bizarre. it, I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? And what is I, this girl seeing? And What's when I first her? saw it, dude, I first saw it, and I remember when I was watching it. This was before she was found, I think. Okay. We, I saw this video, and I remember commenting on, like, what is going on? Like, this is like, because she hadn't been found yeah. since yeah, that yeah. video, right? So I was like, this feels like uh, like like the elevator game. There's this okay. urban legend, the elevator. You don't know anything about this. I hadn't heard about this, no, until today. So, Oh, you mean until I just said it or you, you know what you it said is? said it now? earlier. Oh, okay. The elevator game is an urban legend that has gained popularity online and has become a subject of curiosity and speculation. The game is said to be a paranormal ritual that involves using an elevator to access different dimensions or communicate with supernatural entities. Interesting. Here's an overview of the game. Okay. The game typically begins by finding a building with at least 10 floors and an elevator. Okay. You have to enter the elevator alone. Oh. 
That makes it even scarier, dude. Press the following floor button. Okay, I, I want to put this out there first. All right, let's put out a, a disclaimer. disclaimer. We're not telling anybody to go and do this. We're not telling you to do this. We don't condone this, and we don't promise that you're not going to end up in an alternate reality. So if you are going to try this, this is at your own discretion. Yes, we do not condone it. Press the following floor buttons in a specific sequence. Fourth. Second. Do you want to give the sequence? Yes, yes. <laughs> Fourth floor, second floor, sixth floor, second. F- you know what? I want to. I'm going to say this. I, I keep interrupting it. People are like, "What the fuck is he doing?" Give me the damn sequence. I want somebody to do it and then report to us. Email us and tell us your experience. We'll read it okay. on the air. So Chris is saying that Jim says <laughs> he does not condone this. Press the following floor buttons in a specific sequence. This one here. Fourth floor. Okay. Second floor. Sixth floor. Second floor. Tenth floor. When the elevator reaches the fifth floor, a mysterious woman may enter the elevator. You should not look at her, speak to her, or acknowledge her presence in any way. Then you press the first floor button. The elevator may either ascend to the tenth floor instead of descending or will proceed to the first floor as expected. If the elevator goes to the 10th floor, do not step out. Oh, Jesus. Stay in the elevator and repeat the sequence of floors, 2nd, 6th, 2nd, 10th, in reverse order. After reaching the 5th floor again, if the woman is still present, you can, con- you can choose to exit the elevator or continue the game. According to the legend, if you follow the rules co- correctly and the game is successful... You will be transported to another dimension. Some claim to have experienced bizarre encounters, such as seeing different versions of their surroundings, encountering paranormal entities, or feeling an eerie presence during the game. However, it's important to note that these claims are entirely based on personal accounts. Yeah, see, see, so here's the thing. I would go and start doing this, and it would just so happen to be a coincidence that a woman would actually step in the elevator from the fifth floor, and I'd be like, nah, I'm done, dude. (laughs) Well, you're not allowed to step out. That's the thing. Because if you acknowledge uh, that, you're oof. fucked. And I'm not going to look at her. So, like, what if she's what if she's like some decaying corpse walking around, dude? And I'm like standing in the elevator with this thing. You know what I mean? So here's a dis- here's oh, part God. of the disclaimer. Okay. Okay. Engaging in an elevator game can be potentially dangerous. All right. Mm-hmm. The game involves purposefully manipulating an elevator and can result in unintended consequences, such as getting stuck in the elevator encountering real-world dangers or being harmed due to disorientation or confusion. Or being harmed by uh, supernatural other-dimensional beings. So don't fuck with that shit. But that's what they saw. They saw her doing that, and immediately, to my mind, I'm like, that's the elevator game, bro. She fucking went to another dimension. Right? Yeah. As authorities investigated her disappearance, the hotel became the center of attention due to its history and reputation. Mm -hmm. Search efforts were initiated, including searches of the hotel premises and surrounding areas. Flyers with Elisa's image were distributed, and the case received extensive media coverage. On February 19th, 2013, after guests at the hotel reported low water pressure, that means they got up in the morning, wanted to take a shower. They turned on the shower. The water coming out was super just dripping. It wasn't hardly coming down. Mm -hmm. And And, strange taste in the water. Taste and color in the water, man. (coughs) Yeah, when you find out what it was. Oh, God, dude. 
Holy shit. So after they experienced low water pressure and a strange taste in the water, maintenance workers investigated the rooftop water tanks. It was there that they discovered Elisa's lifeless body in one of the tanks. Her body was found naked and her clothes were found floating nearby. So she had to climb up that thing, uh-huh. open up a 20-pound lid, get in, take off her clothes, throw them in, jump in herself and close the lid behind her as she was jumping in. Which, that's the part that still confuses authorities and how she was able to close the lid because you're floating in water, she couldn't touch the bottom. Right. So how was she able to get back up there to close that lid? It's 20 pounds, dude. And she can't swim. Mm. Or she drowned because she got tired of of treading water for so long. She couldn't get out, yeah. She was probably treading water and drowned. An autopsy was conducted to determine the cause of death. The results revealed no evidence of physical trauma or foul play. The cause of death was ruled as accidental drowning with bipolar disorder cited as a significant contributing factor. Mm -hmm. They found that she had had bipolar and maybe had not had her meds. Yep. The case sparked intense speculation and theories due to the mysterious circumstances and the elevator surveillance footage. Various theories emerged ranging from supernatural explanations to suspicion of foul play. Some suggested that she was being pursued or influenced by an unseen entity, while others believed that there may have been involvement from hotel staff or unknown individuals. However, no evidence supporting these theories has been established. Elisa Lamb had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, a condition characterized by mood swings and episodes of mania and depression. Her mental health struggles were later revealed through her online blog and social media posts, providing some insight into her state of mind leading up to her disappearance. Her case remains a source of fascination and speculation, and those intrigued by unsolved mysteries are captured by the interests of true crime enthusiasm. Whatever that means. Tragic. Crazy, bro. Yeah, I'll say. But yeah, the Hotel Cecil. Very much reminds me of the Overlook Hotel. (laughs) Yeah. Very much so. A lot of history. A lot of history. A lot of tragedy. Yes. A lot of ghosts from the past. Started as a fancy hotel back in the 20s. Yeah. Meant for higher, mm-hmm. a higher echelon of, of the public. It kind of devolves into what it is. Yeah. Yep. Man, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Is it a, such a thing that a place, an area... Can be evil. Can attract negativity. Or it depends. It, it depends. Do you influence things negatively? Amityville. Do you think what actually happened actually happened? What they say happened? Because well, we know the murders happened. Well, the murders, but the reason why the murders happened—the devil telling him to do it, Ronnie DeFeo. Because if you believe that, then this is right in that same realm of reality, and possibility. Well. Like, do you believe in things like the vibrations of things and the oh, neg- and the magnetism and mm-hmm. all that stuff in the earth, like the magnetic fields and all that stuff? And so maybe it's more concentrated in certain places that it fucks with the human balance yeah. of things. It very well could, very you well know? could. Never know. I don't know. It's it is a it is intriguing and fascinating to me. It's one of those. Some of these things will ne- we'll never know what happened. Yeah, we'll right? never They're know. They're just sto- some of them are just stories. Some of them have you know stuff behind them. Have you seen the um the documentary on Netflix about the Elisa Lam? No, you not should yet. you should watch the, it. What because, the four episode one? Yeah, yeah. I saw. I think I saw it a while. Because there was a, a, there was a guy that they interviewed on there, and something that he said has always stuck with me. Because he used to be on Skid Row, and every so often he'd be able to have enough money to get a room there for a night or two. But he said back in the nineties, if you were there, you didn't go above a certain floor because that's where people died. He said, yeah, you didn't go up there, whether it was getting murdered or overdoses or whatever. Damn. 
Yeah, so that's why I think there's probably a lot more that has happened at the hotel that is um, not talked about. Isn't in circulation. Yeah. yeah. Darkness. Well, mm-hmm. now we come to the more lighter part of our show, the end. Yeah. <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, let's talk about what we learned this week. Okay. What'd you learn? I learned that you should not stay at places that have a history of weird happenings to people. Not even on purpose to try to investigate. And no, see because what you you're going to end up. That's the perfect recipe to end up like one of them, man. Are you? End up are the you next afraid? sensational uh, Cecil disappearance. Are you afraid that maybe you're 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 open to being manipulated by that? I I don't know so much that I just don't want to chance it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. On the slight possibility, I don't want to chance it. I get you. I get you. You know? Yeah. But. I learned that I'm, I'm a huge fan of lacrosse. Nice. I learned that, yes, I really nice. enjoy watching it. And so much so that I was like, yeah, I'll watch the other game too and see who wins that to see who the bandits are playing. Oh, yeah, because they would have been playing again tonight here in Buffalo. So, yeah, I learned that I'm becoming a big fan of, of lacrosse. And, Good. Um, look, and into, look, into, look into the deep holes. The, the deep holes? Yeah. The defensive long sticks. Oh, the deep holes. Yeah, do your research on that. I thought you said deep holes. <laughs> I was like, look into the deep holes. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, dude, that's it. Let's get out of here. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Hardly History. Next week will not be Hardly Awesome either. No, because I'm gone. Be yeah, we I am gone. And I think the even the following week I won't be here. I I will be getting into town Sunday night. But we're we're both off Monday. So yeah. is Anthony off Monday? Do we know Memorial Day? I don't know. I'm trying to maybe do something that weekend too. Are you? What are you doing? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I was looking to maybe go someplace and get get like a place somewhere. But okay. I don't know yet. I you know what? It out. I said this the other day. I was ready to do it, and so what I'll do is I'll have a, a solo episode ready to go Before to it. cover that uh, that week as well. Okay. All right, sweet. Because cool. there was an so there was an episode that was supposed to be before this one, and the, the last one that people are listening to the the lost hardly awesome episode. Yeah, there's a hardly awesome episode that Anthony and I recorded by ourselves. That will it was not a, be released. It was a return of Chris and Anthony just can't stop. Oh, was it? Yes. Ah. However, there's Chris a and reason Anthony should just yes, stop. <laughs> there was a reason Chris and Anthony stopped. Right? It's because they would, yeah, it was. Maybe it'll it'll see the light of day at some point, but yeah, uh, not next. Not we'll next. Play, we'll play it at Anthony's funeral. As a tribute. <laughs> not anytime soon. So, all right, guys, listen. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Head over, check out our Instagram, Hardly Awesome Pod. Um, we're posting things here and there as we're getting it up and going. Mm-hmm. Also, hit the, uh, the our email account, Hardly Awesome Studios at Gmail. Yes. Send us a message. Respond to us. Talk to us about some things. Smash um, that subscribe button. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. This has been Hardly History. I don't even remember how we closed it out last time. So let them eat cake. We'll see you. We'll see you last year.